0: A beautiful intro you like that i love it i
1: do actually find it weird every time i hear my own voice on it yeah i love the outro more i don't you
0: haven't heard it yet I probably not. But it's so cool <laughs> here we are again yeah it's funny i the first time i got the chance to listen to your uh one of your podcasts i was like man this guy has a great radio voice man his voice just rolls through the mic. Man,
1: this is what I'm counting on. It's another reason why I decided to do podcasts.
0: Did somebody say, hey, you'd be good on a microphone? Is you oh, just... they've
1: said it my whole life since I was like 12, right? <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, I got lucky with that
1: whole thing. And I never utilized it. I think I tried to get a voiceover job in New York for a minute and I got on like an agency called Paradigm. And I thought for sure, but, you know, never, but I did get to interview like over 100 live music video artists. And the friends who were with me, particularly my friend Adrian, he knows I felt like I was called to do this my whole life. And the voice helps. <laughs> it helped in boardrooms and HBO, and it helps in conference calls on Zoom now, right? It played its role, but now I hope it sinks through everybody's ear holes.
0: Yeah, I feel like I feel like your <laughs> voice is like one of those voices where it doesn't matter what you're talking about. People <laughs> it's are going like, to be like, I'll keep look, listening. <laughs> yeah, you be talking about absolute nonsense, and people are going to be locked in, like. And wow. the deviled eggs that I had last night. Yeah, yeah. there was like some paprika, but it wasn't all. Oh, I was th- <laughs> I was thinking about deviled eggs too. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, let's hope so because that's what will keep people here on a podcast. <laughs> nice. Thanks for helping me open up that intro. That makes it real easy for us. Oh, well, yeah. it's a real transition from the fireplace. So for everybody who's sitting here with us, you know, you've already heard the first Josh one. And here we are again, and now we're just we we're just like sitting around talking. And we're like, this is ridiculous. We just need to go sit in front of a microphone and keep talking. So yeah. we really, once again, no real topic in mind here. We're gonna go total flow. But we've been doing it and we've been coming out with some good shit. So Off the top of the brain.
0: So why don't you start with your day? Like, What was your day like? Well, it's interesting because I work in a high school. Yesterday was our last day of the school year. Today was my first day of really nothing to do.
1: Wow, that's like teacher summer break kind of thing, yeah. moment. Yesterday was the last day of school. Yeah. What was that like? We should go there then.
0: Okay, okay. Um, I imagine for high school kids, you're like, Oh, the last day of school, I'm going to do something crazy. No, nobody did anything crazy. No. It, was, it was, if you were to plug that day into the middle of the year, you wouldn't even think twice. As staff members, you're like, oh man, it's the last day. I can't wait to get rid of these kids. I'm ready to go on and have my vacations and see my family. You know, it wasn't anything special. I did celebrate. I
1: went to Miller's and got some beers and drinks and yeah, good. Celebrated. We have to. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I always remind myself, and I think I've reminded some good friends of mine who've come back and said, I'm really glad you told me that, you know, that you should celebrate the small wins. You oh, should yeah. always remind yourself that this is a little win. That was last day. Don't forget it. And move on to the next. So good on you. And then the next day, boom, is your first day off. So it's good because now you're in a good headspace. I'm glad I invited you over, right? Because you're like off duty. Yeah. At ease.
0: Yeah. I don't have any outside stress per se. I guess if there was any stress, it'd be the anticipation of football season. I coach high school football as well so you know the anticipation of that is a form of stress i guess you could say but you know it's, it's excitement more than stress so it's, That's it's fun i like fun excitement
1: it hits you where it hits you but still it's fun excitement
0: oh yeah man and it's almost a test to the cliche of trust the process you know getting to an off season and you're like oh man you know you're almost kind of bored but at the same time you're thinking like oh there's an end goal right you waiting for the next season you're in your mind, like, all right, what am I going to do next season? Well, how am I going to prepare? What new things can I teach the kids? So there's an excitement in that form of boredom as a paradigm, right?
1: Yeah. And the craft. And it sounds like you're really you're like thinking about digging back into this, like you showed in the last show that you'd went to the high school thing, got to the college thing, all very impressive, got an education out of it. Very impressive. Knew what your boundaries are going to be with an injury. And if that injury occurred, you know, you were going to, choose a different life because, yeah. you know, and I think it was a brilliant idea. to speak to it last time, but I had worked for nonprofit organizations with the Broncos and a variety of NFL football teams who had these guys who were just beat down, broken, living in trailers, professional NFL careers. Right. You know what I mean? That's so mind-blowing, and It's right? mind-blowing, right? And like, there was times when they're, like, they're the greatest footage on the screen, and yeah. now they're just like broke down, drunk, you know, massively, can't even move on pills. And so I admire your self-love enough whatever that was for you, who knows, but you know, then you did that, but now you're doing it with, you're coaching kids and you're still in football. And now it's kind of like, it seems like maybe football, it could be a way of professional life for you moving forward forever. Is that what you're kind of exploring
0: or? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think my ultimate goal is to coach at a high level at the college level. I'm not too interested at the NFL level. I'm not going to say that I wouldn't, but my ultimate goal is to coach at a high college level. And the fun thing is, I think it's just working with kids, right? I think if I go to the NFL level, I'm no longer working with kids. And I've come to learn about myself that my impact on people is a lot bigger than I ever gave myself credit for. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. You know? Yeah, for sure. And people recently have told me more, more emphatically like, hey, you, you, know, you made a difference here. I appreciate what you said here. The kids come up to me in high school, even outside of the football team. Just the normal kids walking through the halls come up to me and like, hey, man, I appreciate what you said the other day. I I did what you said. Um, I feel a lot better. It's very rewarding. I actually just had a conversation with my boss today, and he basically said, I don't know if you know the impact you've had on some of these kids. We have a set schedule where we're at in the high school, and when someone either calls off or, or some schedule change happens, You may end up in another area. He's like, you know, there's a lot of kids when you're not in your normal area, they come up to me, he's like, where's Josh? Where's Josh? It's hard to imagine for you, but it's totally not hard to imagine for me,
1: especially myself growing up with a single mother. And in many ways, like any cool, good-looking, you know, got their shit together, humble cat, you know, who actually gave a shit was pretty influential. It just disarms, and you have a way of disarming while being stoic in a way of your own, which allows them to admire you, which is always a good base, is for people to admire you, because you can really
0: teach them the best if they're admiring you. It's weird, because when you talk to a peer, you say things with a bit of a grain of salt, but with kids, you can kind of be free and allow them to take whatever it is you say, as extreme as it may be, and they'll form their own opinions about it, and you're almost like, man, was I thinking like that at that age? I don't know. It's really cool to see a lot of these kids, especially over the past couple of years developed into these young adults that Dave
1: incredibly rewarding man that's why I'm here in the microphone is because I'm really trying to do things that I think will make a difference too I'm not trying to be clever about how I make my living I do think having candid authentic conversations and being vulnerable and real Prideful and wrong and messy, and all the things that we've talked about on the fire, you know, about being yeah. human. Yeah. It unconsciously gives other people permission to do the same. Yeah. And I could try to guard and protect a lot of my life and, you know, not make any of this information available at any given time. That would mean, like, for you working for the pros, you're not really useful that way. Yeah. But now you can work over here and have all these young minds and impressionable minds and broken wings, to be frank, who are also very talented to help groom them. Yeah. And the more you groom yourself, what you're doing, and you even just coming here and doing the podcast and stuff, it gives you the tools and you got your philosophy major. So it seems like I think people are probably right. You're probably pretty well built for this to be kind of a, a real mentor and counselor and almost emotional therapist and inspiration. And they have all kinds of names for this stuff, right?
0: Yeah. That seems like a pretty cool job. Yeah, it is cool. And it's funny because I do do mentorship. I'm volunteering a mentorship program. I don't know if you mind if I say that. Uh, Please pull, do the plug. Yeah. Pick Up the Ball is owned by a guy named Ted Satong. He was a mentor of mine. I met him when I was 13, 26 now, so 13 plus years. And I, I knew him before Pick Up the Ball was a thing. It was just an idea that he even came to me and was like, I'm thinking about doing this thing called Pick Up the Ball. What do you think? I may have been like 15 or 16 at the time. Cool so if that, get, if that gives you any idea of what kind of mind I was working with at that age, 26 right? 26 now, yeah. But it wasn't until recently where I was like, man, like I have a niche for just being able to talk to people, right? More often than not, where I don't necessarily agree with people, but I can definitely understand their perspective.
1: Well, and it's not just talking, right? There was a moment I had like when I was, I don't know, 15 in high school, in the classroom and... I knew that I wasn't keeping up with some of my favorite people who were going to turn that paper in way faster than me and other people who knew the answers more than me. And like, I just knew that I was kind of in a different neuro version of myself. And I was trying to ponder, like, where am I going to find my strength? And one of them was listening. The message came to me clearly and just said, you don't just hear, you listen. Absolutely. And I think that's what you do really well is that you're able to sit and listen to people Obviously, you have empathy. It's in your demeanor to to suggest that you do. You have a demeanor of empathy, and you know how to listen. And then you're not hard on the eyes. And you're respectful and a real man. And so with all that, I think youth, right, of course, is going to look for those kinds of casts. I mean, don't we? Those cast of characters don't get to come around and offer so
0: much up to our youth. Right, right. I think being as young as I am, it impacts them more a little bit hmm I believe that too. Because I'm almost positive a lot of things I've told some of these young kids have already been told to them. But because I look at them the way I do and I'm not too far off from them.
1: Yeah, that relatedness. It hits
0: them a little bit different. And I tell a lot of the players on the football team this. I tell them like, hey, as coaches, we can tell you all we want. But until one of your teammates tells you, hey, bro, you need to step it up. You need to get this right. You know, I don't like how you're doing this. It's not going to hit the same once your teammate tells you, now you're like, oh man, you know, is this guy gonna talk to me in the hallway? There's a different level of impact that it has, I think. I can see that. It reminds me. I mean,
1: you might not remember this, but there's like a Charlie Brown thing where the teacher talks, and it's like, rawr, 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 right? right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, when some super Pro Bowl guy who's made it all and he's a millionaire is saying, "Oh yeah, keep a positive attitude," and it's all right to feel pain, you know, <laughs> they're kind of like, yeah, I'm not feeling what you're feeling, right? But you're down at a frequency level with them that they're really relating with, right? We all know what that kind of social work does. And I think from, you know, my limited experiences with trying to evaluate what brings people happiness, trying to put my own digestion of what is truly what generates happy service to others, without question, is the number one response to happiness. When we serve others from unconditional places of soup kitchens to coaching to mentoring to nursing to all the kinds of ways that one can care for another and know that it comes at a burden and a cost to them, whatever that is, getting the bus to get through town to get to the place or to do the thing and to take the time. Or to, but when we do it, it's like something like music, just inside of us, we know that we are doing the right thing.
0: Yeah. I like that you said that just the simple getting a bus, get through town kind of reminds me of what JC was saying earlier, one of your good friends, good friends that you've only known over the course of three. Yeah. Only met a few times, three times. Yeah. JC, our neighbor was just over tonight and we
1: had a conversation all together. So yeah, we'll get into that.
0: And just not worry too much about the past or the future, just living in that moment. And I had an instance where I would go to the ATM and there was a homeless man that used to sit right down the way from the ATM he never really bothered anybody that went to the ATM. He wasn't always asking, Hey, I see you going to the ATM. Can you help me out? He just kinda chilled and I went up and, and sparked conversation with him. And, you know, it was always a fairly simple conversation. Just how was your day? We had one moment of how'd you end up homeless, you know? And he he spilled his life story to me one time. That was really cool. There was one day where I didn't even say hello. I just went up today, hey, uh, what do you need? You need anything today? I'm about to go into the convenience store. What you need? It was just like, ah, uh, just some water and a pack of smokes, man. I was like, all right, I could do that. I would like to think I got that guy th- through that day. To some degree, I would like to think that maybe he remembers that day.
1: I believe it because, you know, one of the things I prescribe to is reading a lot of literature about, it's Mother Teresa. One of the one things that I liked about her, her one nugget, was that she was the one human element, like worse than all disease, all famine, all everything. That the people who suffer the most on earth are the homeless. And the answer of why is because they're lonely human soul on earth. Loneliness and people not acknowledging you and even acting as if you exist is like the most soul crushing. It is. Aspect of all humanity. It really helped me to put that nugget in place, you know, not just to give an extra 20 bucks or to do like whatever my own ego niceties that I was trying to pull off in the mix, but it definitely Makes me, you know, what you just said is that absolutely no, looking that person in the eye, giving them a name, yeah. understand you're in different circumstances, not shaming each other, giving each other a lending hand. It's the principle. The principle of just,
0: you have know, some basic
1: devotion to being human.
0: Yeah, that principle is, I hate to say that it's lost on people. I'm not going to say that because I think a lot of people think that that principle still exists but they're scared to act on it, right? Let's talk about that. Let's, let's
1: pretend like they're lost on it because I think a lot of people would agree that maybe they're lost on it, not that we want to be divisive or not that we're doing a lack of humanity thing, but might as well dig out some of the more pessimistic version oh, of yeah, the story. yeah, sure, yeah. Where's the lacking?
0: Oh, man, where's the lacking? I think the lack comes from a bit of insecurity. Even if you're by yourself and you come across someone who, who's less fortunate than you, it's super hard to look at that person, Right. Like you may be at a red light and there's someone walking up and down the median with a sign that says, I'm homeless. But in your mind, you're like, are you really homeless? Because there's a lot of scams out there, right? There's people who just act like this and just want some money. But I think the principle is lost because of that insecurity. So even if that person is scamming you and they're not really homeless and they're not really less than you, even if you give that person some money, that principle still holds true because the powers that be Outside of ourselves, see that your genuineness is important. It means something. That person may not feel it, but I tell people this all the time. You don't do things for others and expect too much in return. You shouldn't. Yeah. Because nobody owes you anything anyway. But when you do that, that's good karma for you, no matter what, no matter who it is.
1: I mean, I think anybody can agree to the pass it on kindness, you know, keep it vibing, cool thing, right? You know, how we all operate in it and how we can keep it going in all of our lives. That's the other story. I guess we talked about that like the least of the, you know, when we talk about you, like you're kind of acknowledging this relationship this cat, and also your impression on people and how much that leaves with them. My boss was actually just telling me about a movie called The Five People You Meet in Heaven, and I haven't seen it yet, but it was something about you go through this whole lifetime here and you don't realize how many people really appreciate what you've done and who you are and what you are to them and how much you shape them and how that one talk or that one walk or that one skipping stones, whatever those moments were in life, that they really made an impression on people. And then as you pass through your entire life and towards the end of it, you might feel terribly alone and not even know that any of those people exist, but there's kind of this promise that once you get to the other side, you're going to be able to see just what an impression and how many people's lives you transformed. And then you get to see it like 4D where you can transition to their children's lives and their children's lives. And that's where it gets like super special is when you can start to realize that, whoa, I didn't just somehow, even half-bakingly, because I was just being me in this, made such an impression on this person that it transformed his relationship with his son, which then created a whole better marriage, which then allowed their whole family to stay together, which then rippled into his son going off and doing all these academic things, and that you actually, in that one moment, actually signify the entire turning point of the light of their lives and how everything domino-affected because of that moment.
0: That is super interesting. And I've never even thought about that. I mean, shoot, I, in my own life, I would like to tell people I'm still pretty young, you know, <laughs> and my coaches to football and, and life coaches have given me small gems that I pass on to these kids. Even I, as, as one who uses those quotes and, and, and ways of thinking to tell other people, I don't think about that sort of impact.
1: And we should be pretty unaware of it. I'm a pretty impressionable person, people say, right? Like I kind of land a a persona and I can intimidate people. And I kind of feel like I'm terribly unintimidating, right? Like i like to think so. But you know, I'm kind of overly confident even in my tomfoolery. And so I had to realize that I had to be more aware not only of my positive impact of other people, but my negative or you know, would be conceived as not bullying, but you know, not being mindful, about that these people actually report to me in like a terrible manager that way. I'm like, I'm like you, what are you talking about? They're like, you're my manager and it freaks me out when you kind of
0: yell or something, right, you know? So I had to realize that I'm- What do you do with that? Because that negativity per se, it's weird, right? Because in a moment as a leader, you don't particularly look at it as a negative thing.
1: Oh, I certainly didn't. Right,
0: you know? But when someone kind of says, oh, I, I don't like how you did that. It, and now, you, now you're forced to kind of say, hmm.
1: I mean, for me, it it went over like 15 years. I mean, like, seriously, it was not easy. I was either really well received or I was not well received. I got to skate in some times in between, but mostly it's, and luckily, more well received than not well received. But in the not well received, every single time it did teach me that my goal is to be related. If we're working together, particularly, I'm not looking for divisiveness, I'm looking to be related. As unapologetically as I ask people to deal with who my personality is when I need to give my best and I can't change it up or I can't give you my best, I also can unapologetically ask my personal self to say, now this is when you don't have to give your best. You have to listen more. You have to respond in a different way. You have to reinforce them. You know, you need to be relatable and more giving here in this situation. And we've got to train ourselves to do that because I, I forget, <laughs> you know, but once I realize it, then I'm like, okay, I can do that guy. No problem. And then I see the outcome and I'm like, Jesus, I should do that guy all the time because I
0: like him more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot more satisfying that way, right? What does the level of accountability look like in that world? I struggle with accountability. I would like to say, I, I'm pretty sure everybody does because it's hard to hold people accountable. It's hard to be held accountable what's the line for negativity and positivity in terms of accountability
1: i don't know there is one i've never found it i mean it's a wild west out there i think on that front to be honest all i can account for is the accountability that i can offer and that the accountability that i trust at the other people if i fall short that i will tell you that i fell short and that my kind of ultimate goal in building a relationship with you is that i would Continue to be consistent with you, so that you would be able to believe that when I told you I fell short, I did, and I'm not hiding another fall short. And then you can go, "Oh, that person's accountable, and I trusted and When it works on team levels, we manage big teams at AT and T and these big networks. And when you personalize every single human being and make sure that they're getting their recognition out of this, that everybody understands what their importance of their role is, and then everybody doesn't have to fight for their role. And another thing I've always said about that that I think is really super important in humanizing all of our exchanges professionally or otherwise is team building. And I got this from a mentor of mine or hero building is what he called it. And it's where I've done this to my teams. I mean, almost ridiculously. So I can say like, I need you to compliment the fuck out of Josh over here. Like you see he's nailing it. So I need to hear it. I need to hear it around the water cooler. I need to hear it on the thing. I need to hear it when you finish your presentation after he gave you the slide that thank you to Josh and thank you to Sherry and thanks to Jeremy that we got this piece done. And you know what, to be frank, like if we hadn't done this with Joseph over there, we wouldn't have met Shelly, which didn't get us this. So we hero build each other so that nobody has to feel like they have to stick up for themselves.
0: Yeah, on the opposite side of that coin, I think we talked about this where it's different when your peers say something to you, right? When your leader coaches, <laughs> managers, whatever, say something to you, it goes in one ear and maybe out the other. But when people are on your same level, say, hey, you're doing a great job. That's right,
1: it's huge. It's actually, it's a real tip to anybody who really wants to see their life transform. And it starts even in your family. Well, you know, and I got this from another story where I was doing a documentary with this really amazing 90-year-old woman who's a big Louisiana. We went to New Orleans, it was right before her, Christina, anybody who knows me personally knows the Mother Dara story big in the civil rights movements, right? Knew everybody, presidents had her phone number, running the biggest shit ever in the civil rights movement, right, and so we got a chance to do the documentary with her good story rights, be there, and I got a chance to sit there in her front porch after the whole thing was done, and she's like the gal who's like ninety-seven years old in a tie-dye dress, drinking out of like a 40-ouncer in a brown bag on her little swing. <laughs> really in the civil rights movement. She's just such a brilliant story. I got pictures and posters that were all over my house, but I was like, hey, look, can I just ask you one question? You know, her sweet way, she's like, well, yeah, baby,
0: what you got on your mind?
1: And I was like, can you just give me advice on how to be a good father? She had 14 children, and two of which had passed, I believe, at least one, but I think two, so raising 12. And then she also raised other people's children. She was one of those black nannies for rich white people in New Orleans. And she ran churches and she ran marches. She walked military, you know, first black military with self-armed people through the streets of Washington, D.C. And she looks at me and she goes, yeah, I can give you the exact crystal clear answer on that. Everyone in your home has to feel crucial to your home. They have to feel undismissible, completely important. Like the whole house wouldn't work without them. And she went on to create a nice little, I might hesitate to use the wrong English word, but you know, a like, little story, right? Where she's like, you know, so if Shelly wants to go off and do a sleepover with her friends for the weekend, the question isn't do we want her or don't want her to go do the sleepover. Of course we want her to go do that and have fun. But the real question is, what happens to the entire chore breakdown? And how is that going to impact everybody else in the house when she leaves? She embellishes on this with me in the thing. I mean, I'm not making this up. And she's like, so we didn't walk her through and say, you know, because your brother's got his tests coming on and your sister's got her thing going on. And so, you know, maybe Jeremy could take over the garbage run, but I definitely don't know how I'm going to get the Bible study, you know, thing figured out without you. And so then that person thinks about how important it is for her to go do the sleepover. Or what a burden it's going to put on everybody else.
0: Let's not deter her away from doing the sleepover, right? She can still make the decision and say, you know what? You know, being a little selfish
1: even. And mom will go back and go, okay, y'all guys got, got a little fucked, right? But it's good because she's going to go have a good time. We're going to let her do it. So you're taking over this and you're doing that and you're doing this and we're all doing it. That's that, okay? We're going to make it cool. Don't beat her up when she gets back too much, right? <laughs> but yeah, she got to at least make the choice. But more importantly, it sounded like, you know, what I grasped mostly from it was that we all desperately... Desire to be valued.
0: Yeah, that's super cool because on, on both ends, you're valued in the sense that when you're gone, the things change and we're impacted by that. And then also when you're gone, we're super happy for you at the same time. That's right, that's right. I think that's really cool,
1: man. And when you get back, everybody feels relieved that you're back. You're taken back over post. You might have to do some devil time. Somebody's gonna give you a nudge. Be like, You're gonna take over my thing right now because now <laughs> I'm gonna go do this thing with the yeah. thing, it, right? But then you're back in your grind and you know you have a place and your places with your people, and everybody loves you.
0: That's super cool. There's a quote that one of my coaches gave me. It was his number one rule. Turn on lights,
1: Hazel. If you want, we got Hazel over here. Just walked into the scene, doing a little photography. We can actually add that on
0: air. So. Hello, Hazel. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, it was my coach's number one rule. Uh, he had two words that he held to the utmost highest standard, which was trust and loyalty. But as far as the way he coached and uh, what he expected of us as a unit was know your role.
1: Know your role, man.
0: I'm a big believer, big
1: believer. Totally couldn't believe in it more.
0: Because when you know your role, you're able to do that thing to the best of your ability. When you know I'm capable of this, this is what people around me expect of me. Now I'm going to be the best at this thing. And in that setting of a family and feeling valued on both ends, when you know where you stand within that, and everybody lets you know this is where you stand. You exude a certain level of confidence, not just in that, but as you move through life and when you branch off from that family, you start to learn what you're capable of, uh, what you're not. In those
1: situations, it's very helpful when we're all helping each other, we are able to positively, constructively help each other understand their weaknesses and how we need to complement each other versus you ain't doing this right, you ain't doing it right. So like in those kind of versions where it's like, when everybody understands that we don't all have the same strengths and weaknesses. And so we got to make this housework. That was what I thought was so precious about Mother Dara is that she was like, you got to figure out with your households and your people. Now that then extends out to, of course, your community, your friends, your work colleagues. How do we all compliment the fuck out of each other to get shit done right the way we want to get it done right? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And have a good time with it. I mean, who doesn't want to have a good time?
0: Well, I have a question for you then. Yeah. Because obviously I'm sure you know there's a sense of over complimenting somebody. Sure and I think the level of accountability, where do you draw the line as far as, can you compliment somebody while also letting them know they're doing something wrong? I'm just
1: learning, and I've done it very haphazardly and accidentally, but radical truth, you don't have to think about it. You just say what comes from your gut. If you think that there's some shitty in it and it looks wrong, then say it. And if you think that you're also giving it the benefit of the doubt that this person might have the best intentions, and you can see the positive, constructive nature of what they're putting together here, and you can pitch that in a very positive, balanced narrative that doesn't you know, totally disarm them or both either try to disarm them or try to put them on arms, but it's just truth. And it's all of our responsibility to speak it and to handle it when it comes on and lands on them. And I find it's been the most amazing filter for me about who's gonna stick around and continue to look at me in the face. If I speak my radical truth with them, and they're offended they can't handle it they don't want to respond they're not really going to play ball that way then i honestly don't have anything to talk to them about absolutely i mean whatever we want to compartmentalize a sunday brunch with the family sometimes sure I mean, <laughs> I mean maybe i'll do that but other than that no and so that's all i got in the world of pandemic in the world of people being isolated in the world of mental health issues and the world of being recluse and the world of being unsocial again in the world of We've lost dating, right? Like I mean, Nobody's flirting and grinding at each other in clubs anymore. I mean, maybe they're back to it a little bit, but I mean, it's been, it was a little drought there for yeah. everybody, right? And so as humanity's concerned, I kind of feel like, you know, throw your cock on the table and speak your truth.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's super scary and, and super exciting at the same time now where we're at with that whole thing.
1: And accountability. I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't think we answer the question again. I think you keep asking, and what's accountable? I mean, what does accountability mean? If somebody asks you, like we talked about that last time, if you lied, being accountable means, yes, you say I lied. Yeah. So that's fact. So that's a good base for accountability. If, and you mention it, and you even ask yourself, why did I lie? You know, I'm going to bring it up I lied. And I'm going to eat, eat crow on this and kind of explain that, yeah, I was kind of being a bitch about this or whatever. I was had my problems, and I lied about it. You brought that up in the last one, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's accountability. Back to that vibe is that, yes, lies in general. It's the number one place we can be accountable. Then there's benefit of the doubt, I think, right? Like, hey, I don't know if I did this wrong, right? But I'm going to be accountable to say that I might have. Yeah. It's got a lot of breath in it, a little open-windedness. It has lots of potential to explore and be like, I'm not suggesting that I didn't do wrong here, so I'm going to be accountable. Pretty sure that I had a part in this. Where do we take it from
0: there? Yeah. I think even further than that is changing something there. You could almost take certain people let's say a psychopath or a serial killer who is on the stand and they say yep i did it i don't have no problems with it that's not accountability right you know what i'm saying yeah it's kind of more just like honesty
1: right yeah that's an honest response
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think i would almost venture to say accountability is non-stop you can own what you did was wrong you know but
1: i like the non-stop that grooved me right there i was like got a jolt on that i can feel you on that It is. Accountability is nonstop. You kind of rev the engine of accountability all the time, every time, all
0: the time. Yeah. Because there's moments by yourself in any sort of situation from owning a business to being a leader in a team to coming up uh, in a business. When you're by yourself, are you changing those actions and thoughts and emotions to be geared towards what you know is right in that situation? I guess
1: that's the other version, right? It's like our own Inner accountability or outer accountability—that we're constantly—I always call it sharpening your sword. I'm probably spending my whole life sharpening my sword on on accountability, and that accountability goes well beyond lies or truth or anything else. It goes about being my deepest person, you know, being honest enough to say what I feel, you know, being more courageous, right? And you do that by sharpening your sword like a a samurai. Like you said, being accountable requires daily practice.
0: Would you say that accountability—it's necessary? to have someone else involved in that. So, for example, let's say what you're trying to accomplish doesn't necessarily have to have someone else involved, but would you say it's necessary to have someone else there as almost like a counsel in order to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish?
1: No, no, I don't think that at all. I think it's always helpful, or it's less lonely, or it's nurturing and nourishing. But I call it, I guess, for our own level of accountability, only us can answer what is our true soul journey and our purpose in life and are we living into it and being accountable to ourselves at being our best self? Only we can answer that. Everybody else mirrors it back to us. You see it through their eyes. And they would only know if you tell them. They would only know if you tell them, right? <laughs> so yeah, and so you can mirror it back to them. Oh, you think you know, but you really don't know. And <laughs> it just goes back and back and back and back. And those are some of the masks we wear and it's yeah. all cool and we deserve them. But I think we have our own accountability measurement and I've always thought about that at the end of your life. You're gonna walk at the, into all the darkness and there's gonna be like a waterfall of mirror there and you're going to look at it and it's going to play you back your entire life, everything you ever did, every decision you ever made, all the way to your wrinkles, everything. And you're going to be the one who judges you. You're going to look and go, where do I stand with myself? That's what I believe. I don't believe in, you know, necessarily, you know, in my own spiritual Christianity and other practices that there's all these other greater judges. I think that that's our, that's our first one. And we know how to do that now. There's enough tool sets here, like we said, with moral ground and what feels high road, what feels low road, what feels dark, what yeah. feels light. Are we exploring the dark in the light? I mean, like we have enough sensibility and empathy and experience and media to be fucking bright enough to kind of be accountable for, are we living our best selves? Yeah. And then when we're not, I mean, that's the hard work is when we're kind of like, fuck, you know, I'm falling short of being that person again and again and again and again. And and again. you feel that? All the time. You definitely feel that. I, I definitely do. I live that all the time, you know, but that's what keeps me going.
0: What's that gut feeling.
1: I have a feeling that I can do better and I have a feeling that there is better of me and I have a feeling that others will prosper from that in some ways in my most personal lives and beyond. And I would be an asshole if I didn't continue to look for those flaws and those weaknesses and those frailties and those wounds that I haven't healed oh, Yeah. and dig them out and raw them out and raw them out is the word, right? Like be raw. Yeah. And I think that actually makes my creative works better. I'm always getting better at my business. I'm always getting better at my relationship with my boys. Lucky for them, and they're helping me with that. And lucky for me, I should say too, that you know, they're helping me with that. But a part of that is radical truth and authenticity that has gotten us here. And now that's what makes our friendship even more, as a father and sons, even deeper, is, is that we're really pretty fearless about sharing anything we could possibly think of with each other. That's beautiful, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's now generational. Mm. And so now that transcends, spreads, that spreads, yeah. that's gonna have a ripple effect. It's
0: no longer just uh, that father-son impact, right? It, yeah. That's, that's yeah. where it starts. But now you can confidently say like, not only am I impacting these kids, my kids, they're gonna take that and go to their kids and, and their relationships with other people.
1: And they're changing me and it's going back. And so that is actually probably gonna change ancestors of mine, right? Like, I mean, the bond of it is powerful. And so that's a missing if we're not having these. If we're kind of treating each other's lives a little bit haphazardly, that's not taking accountability. Mm -hmm. That's a lack of accountability of other people's well-being, of other people's hearts, of other people's sanity, of other people's journey. Yeah, We don't owe it to each other to be a certain way, but I think mindfulness is a pretty simple practice yeah and you can kind of see where we can help aid people in their journey or we can cause problems for them and knock each other off of our journeys
0: right and we know that when it happens
1: and we know that and when we're not accountable for you heard me say today you know like there's some things i i feel terribly unaccountable for and i feel accountable for doing them and i'll be honest about it but i feel like character wise and emotional outburst wise i would reassess those after i just went through it and i would do it differently i can't and that's over and some would not be too hard on myself but
0: i would yeah those kind of moments i think are i think going forward for you and me would be super fun to catch yourself in those moments it's almost like one of those uh it's like the pavlovian dog whistle right if you can train yourself to in those moments, you don't even necessarily have to act on the, the reflection. You know, it's definitely encouraged. But if you're able to just simply catch yourself there and be able to think like, oh, I'm super emotional here. I can do one of two things. I can simply act on emotion or I can think very carefully about what I'm going to do next. Again, I, I tell you know, my players this, you know, catch yourself in emotion
1: you're like the sensei in this i'm telling you like it doesn't it doesn't matter about age like we're like you're like (laughs) half my age we need to do more of these because i need your sensei shit in this and i'm like way older it doesn't matter about age like i need this anybody who knows me knows get some sensibility about you know your
0: own emotional reaction to the world around you and what all that is you want to know what my nickname was when i was born bring it buddha I wish I could show you a baby picture. I was this <laughs> fat, like I'm 6'1", 170 pounds. You wouldn't think I would ever. I think you could find that picture and then we'll post it on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, let's do it. You I'll know, definitely. I
1: actually had an opportunity to be called Buddha once, dude. <laughs> and it's actually, one of the things I was really good at I was under pressure. So doing all the filming that I did and all the work I did, I got to a moment where I was out in the Telluride Film Festival and we did this model shows and then I went out to this hot springs and I walk out and there's like all these, and some of you might be listening, you know, they were there with me. What kind of just all these beautiful women naked in the hot spring and just are all floating around? <laughs> and because I was the Buddha director of that particular shoot, yeah, I got to hear Buddha, Buddha, <laughs> and it was like one of the most angelic moments of my life. I'm not <laughs> trying to show off here on the podcast, but I mean it really okay, happened. You're allowed so. to show off? Are you kidding yeah, my, me? Okay, well, the, I had a Buddha moment too, <laughs> and I like it. But yeah, I think the Zen thing everybody likes us to be mindful, centered, and you know, well groomed, mastered human beings of the emotional spectrum. But as I was saying before. Everything takes practice. I mean, that's why relationships yell at each other and people slam doors and people get thrown in jail and people have you know all kinds of reactions. To-
0: Every professional was a beginner at one point. Exactly, that's all I'm trying to say,
1: right? And just yeah, being a human is like that. We're feeling our feelings. We're often told we don't have permission to do it. And so that's another thing about accountability. You're accountable to feel your fucking feelings because if you're not, you're being a fucking asshole. Yeah. If you're not feeling your feelings, anybody out there, you're a fucking asshole. Honestly, that's all I have to say about it. Just turn off the fucking show right now (laughs) and get lost. If you can't feel your fucking feelings, you know, just get over yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because at the end of the day, with that being said, it's like, come on, man. Like, never mind what other people feel. You're doing a disservice to yourself.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: You're going to turn 60, 70 years old. And now you don't have any of that stuff you could be so egotistical about. And now you're kind of wondering, well, who's there for me? what's there for me well well you were an asshole your whole life so here you go here's your last 20 years of solitude and loneliness which happens a lot this is where i say life is chosen wisely Ah, uh, yeah
1: you have to choose a wise life and it can be shit show along the way but it's destiny or distraction always i believe that I'm always in these simple bullshit and everybody can call me out on it. But to me, it's not. I can I see it in my own hand every time I see it. Give me that emotion. Give me that direction to go in. Give me that. Is this destiny? Is this distraction? It's really not that hard to tell. It's not. We all know that. And we often we'll pick distraction because it's like, I need to I feel some distraction right now. I need to fucking, I do And I'm not ready for destiny and I'm just blah, blah, blah. And you just do it, right? That's what we base this whole show on is that I quite frankly think that's mostly self-sabotage. And yes, we deserve some of that. And yes, it's fun. And yes, when we spill it out, it's okay. But we all know that that's not something you are supposed to pick most of the time. Destiny. That's what we're supposed to fucking choose.
0: That's interesting. I studied a philosopher, a revolutionary 18th century philosopher. No, 19th century. Martin Heidegger. Uh, who wrote a book called Being and Time. Being and Time. And one of the things he talked about was a section on the they Uh, being a they, that would almost be what you're calling the distraction. Because he doesn't necessarily call it an issue. He almost says it's necessary.
1: Some of it is. That's what I'm saying. You have to have some of it. It's like a buffet line. You need to eat some buffets on a cruise ship in your life, but not
0: often. Right. Because the criticalness that you give yourself can be so exhausting. I think Martin Heidegger is an example of this. This guy, he literally basically locked himself in a cabin for some odd years and wrote this book and isolate himself and was in his destiny for a long period of time and he was borderline miserable he was very important i think for the development of of existential philosophy but in and of his life he was pretty miserable because he never really indulged in the they and the distractions
1: i get that i didn't study him but i can totally get how any number of artists right like to be tortured especially at certain times right but I do think when you're living your absolution and your creation and your best works and your opus and you're being recognized for them, it's hard to have a bad life. I mean, it's hard to have a really shitty time. So he probably was like making most of that shit up. Like, you, know I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I also say that like, you know, Khalil Gibran, at the end of his life, who's one of my, I to be one of the most prophetic writers of my time, he died miserable in an apartment in New York thinking he was washed up. This all comes back to mental health. Accountability for our mental health. Accountability for... <laughs> can we keep our souls nourished accountability are we being loved right accountability are we choosing people who aren't lovable or don't want to be loved or accountability is what we can we keep kind of addressing which i love i think it's one of my most favorite words and i want to learn more about it all the time oh yeah is what the fuck are we accountable for yeah i don't really know but the more i talk about it with you i get that it is a engine and it needs to be fed daily and that like it's like a juicer Am I being accountable that I throw a tomato in there? Did I throw some celery in there? That I throw this in there? Like, am I drinking my juice? Am I, am I living my healthy life? Am I being alive and being accountable and being true? And I think that's like, when you talk about principle, and there's a whole story about principle, that's a solid principle, to be accountable and true. That falls into probably a principle category, right?
0: Right, 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 right.
1: Here's a principle, be accountable and true. Yeah. And then often, like I've always said, I want to do a show about the pros and cons of principle. Like, when do I wanna not be accountable and true, even for the other person? You know, when does it ruin my marriage? When does it ruin my life? When is it? We're gonna talk about that soon. We gotta talk about that one next, right? So the pros and cons of principle might be our next one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But accountability, I do feel like I came out of this one with there's no mistaking it. I know it when I feel it. I know when I'm doing it. I know it when I'm missing it. I know when I'm tackling with it. And I know if I'm totally off. And if there's one thing that I do principally feel is that one of the most delicious things about experiencing other human beings is their commitment to being accountable. That, to me, would be my number one ask. I've often talked about if I created my new, you know, what's my marriage requirements? What's my partner need to be? What do we need to really do here? Never really did that contract before. I now am going to put down, and I think it's a perfect mixed messages, you know, layer here to the whole thing, is accountability. Yep. is now my number one fucking ask in relationship.
0: Absolutely. Period.
1: Principally. Truth, that's a big one. We all know, what the fuck do you do with truth? Can it be? Can it not be? Can you handle it? Can you not? I'll leave that one out. But in the principle bucket, accountability doesn't get to get away.
0: Yeah, because ultimately, un- underneath that, those principles, they're I- intertwined in a way. So whatever truths or lies come out in that in that situation, accountability will simply... Come about as well. That's right, right? It's so weird that we <laughs> make these things so complex, right? To get down to the most simple uh, right. answer, and this is the mixed messages. This is what giving the mixed
1: messages of the world. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, you're never going to get to that problem. Oh, women and men are just different, right? Like you're never going to solve that problem. Oh, none of this is solvable. You know, let's watch the game, dude. Turn on the video game. Like, right? take a puff off the pipe. Let's, you know. Do some lines and do our thing, right? Like everybody's looking for some avoidance, some distraction of all that. And we all know why. And nobody's going to play with that here today. But what we can get is that, yes, it does distill down to some very simple, grasped concepts. And one of those is how accountable do you want to be with your life? And how accountable are you being? Yeah. And in what categories of that are you accounting to? That's part of our conversation is what are those categories that need to be accounted to that we believe principally, Right. but that's more conversations that we got for this podcast. So what we do know is we have one bucket called principle. We're going with the pro at this moment (laughs) and accountability just rolled in there. And that's probably for your future relationships. I think you're going to ask for that too. Now we asked Uh, about what would you want from a woman, what would you want from a relationship? And I don't think that came out very clearly answered last time. A little bit, right? Not clearly. But would you say accountability now is now oh, absolutely. 100% in the bucket oh, of what dear. your ask would be?
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> ha! See? There you go. That's it. We're going to go to
1: closing music now. It's that simple, right? That's boom. And a comeback. Part two on the episode. Brilliant. We're going to get out here. It's been a great one.
0: What do you think? Absolutely. Oh, man. I think the world of this. I do this so has been so much, fun. <laughs> so much <laughs> fun. I think it's probably the most fun just talking I think I've had in quite a long time. There we I, go. Even more fun than college.
1: Next episode, pros and cons of principle,
0: guys. It might get ugly. but
1: we'll, we'll see. It might just be not. <laughs> Who knows? But I, we're going to go there. Pros and cons. We definitely All right. are. All right. Accountability. Anything else you want to drop on us? Anything less? Do I do want to drop. On?
0: I think we've dropped plenty. Right.
1: I think so too. Sometimes there's just no last yep. drop. It's like mic drop.
0: Boom. Yep. yep. <laughs> Take from it what you will. That's it. Exactly. That's what I think too. Thanks everybody again for just putting your ear to this. We Thank appreciate you. 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 Thank you for being you. Allowing people, almost anybody, to just come here and balance thoughts and consciousness off each other, man. It's beautiful. Thanks. You're doing beautiful stuff, dog. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. All right. Bye, y'all. Mixed I'm messages. Good. <bring you>. Oh. <laughs> mix messages, it
1: mix messages, it mix messages, it mix messages. Messages, messages, them,
0: honestly, messages, messages.